Okay, this morning I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles and make your way to the book of Matthew. You know, there's a couple books that everybody should be able to locate, like Genesis and Psalms and Matthew, right? Matthew, uh, probably Revelation, you could probably throw Revelation in there as well, but Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. We're going to be in Matthew chapter number 10. We were in Matthew chapter number 10 a few weeks ago. We're going to be in Matthew chapter number 10 again this morning. We're going to be reading verses 29 through 31. Matthew chapter 10, verses 29 through 31. And I will also let you know that uh, these verses are found in the book of Luke, chapter number 12, verses 6 and 7. Uh, Luke 12, verses 6 and 7. And we'll be reading those verses in the midst of uh, the message today. So Matthew chapter number 10, verse 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. The title of the message this morning is Sparrows and Farthings. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today. We thank you for this time to be in your house. We ask that you'd meet with us. Lord, help us to set aside all of the thoughts of other things and activities throughout the day and perhaps this coming week and help us to be fixed and focused on you. Lord, forgive us for our sinfulness and our wretchedness. We thank you for the cleansing that we have through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ as he shed his blood at the cross of Calvary and we're thankful that he is risen again. And uh, Lord, we thank you for the care that he has for us. We thank you for the care that you have for us. And Lord, help us to uh, bask in that today and to be comforted by that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sparrows and farthings. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Of course, you know that those are words of the classic and well-known song, His eye is on the sparrow. Well, his eye is on the sparrow and he does God does watch his children now in our text that we just read Matthew chapter 10 verse 29 through 31 Jesus is encouraging his apostles if you go back a few weeks we preached a message entitled wise of serpents in Matthew chapter number 10 verses 16 and 17 and we looked at the context as to what followed those verses in Matthew chapter 10 verse 16 and 17 and we, we discovered that Jesus was encouraging his apostles. He's, he's warning them. He's exhorting them to carry out the work that he's called them to do. He said, I'm sending you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Uh, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Uh, but beware of men, he says in verse 17. And so Jesus continues this encouragement all the way into the verses that we read this morning in Matthew chapter 10, verses 29 through 31. It is encouraging for the Lord to speak to us, by extension, about sparrows and farthings. You say, well, it may seem an odd choice to use as encouragement and comfort for us sparrows and farthings. And yet I say to you, that there is much meat for the child of God. We come into the services today all with different circumstances in our lives. All at different stages of our lives. And I think that sometimes we forget 
that God loves and cares for us and we forget how much of how much value we are in the sight of God. Well, you know, it does us good to take a step back and think about sparrows and farthings when we think about that thought. So there's much meat for us as the children of the Lord. And you and I today need Jesus' words. Now, as we think about sparrows and farthings, there are four details that we see revealed in verses 29 through 31 that relate to sparrows and farthings. And I want us to spend our time this morning looking at these four details. We see, and here they are, these are the four details. First of all, we see the sparrow's low cost. The sparrow's low cost. Secondly, the span of the Lord's control. Thirdly, the scope of His loving care. And then the fourth detail, the source of lasting comfort. We see all these details in verses 29 through 31. This morning we're talking about sparrows and farthings. And so let's look at the first detail. Uh, The sparrows low cost. Look at verse 29 again. And here our focus is simply on the first part of verse 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And so when we think about this first detail and what Jesus is trying to teach His apostles and by extension us as His people, He focuses first of all on the amount that is needed to buy a sparrow. Do you notice that? He says, are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? Now, when we think about the amount that is needed to buy a sparrow as it relates to the sparrow's low cost, the amount is a depreciated amount. It's a depreciated amount. The word farthing here, and I, I, I love the, the way some of the Bible words that we have in our language uh, are translated. You know, we have firkins and drachmas and farthings. and uh, It's just interesting to me. And so, notice we have the word farthing. He says, are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? Now, there are two kinds of farthings in the New Testament. And you'll notice this if you look these words up in the Greek. The first kind of farthing is a quadrant, a Q-U-A-D-R-A-N. It appears one time in the New Testament. And that is a certain measurement of coinage that the Romans used, right? The second kind of farthing is an Assyrian, or A-S-S-A-R-I-O-N. It, again, is a certain measure of coinage or money that the Romans used. Now, the word that is used here by the Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter number 10, verse number 29, is Assyrian, Assyrian. This is also used by Luke in his account of the same instance here, the Lord speaking about sparrows and farthings. Now, the Asarian was equal to, are you ready for this? A half of a penny. There are differences as to how much the Asarian farthing was worth, but it is generally agreed that it was less than one cent. So, get this. You could buy two sparrows, two birds, for less than a penny. The Lord is making uh, a point 
to focus on the sparrow's low cost, the amount that was needed to buy the sparrow. It was a depreciated amount. In the Old Testament, we're not going to turn there, but you can go back to Leviticus chapter number 1, and you'll find that the, that the uh, sparrow... Uh, or it, we'll talk more about the particular the particular uh, usage of the Hebrew word was used as an offering source for poor people who didn't have enough money to buy a bull or a goat, right? And so, so you could you could literally buy sparrows on the cheap. Two sparrows are sold for uh, a far one farthing, and then notice. Notice that not only when we take about, talk about the amount needed to buy the sparrow, and we're going someplace with this, the sparrow's low cost, not only was it depreciated, but it was, it was discounted. It was discounted. Everybody loves a good sale, don't you? You love to go somewhere, you could buy, you know, hey, you could buy two for a dollar, or you could buy four for two dollars. Uh, wait a minute, what's the deal in that? There's no deal in that. Oh, okay. You're too smart for that. I'll give you. I'll give you uh, three for you, or, or four, or five. I'll give you more than what you would expect for the same amount of money. Well, guess what? That's the way it worked with sparrows. Sparrows. The cost of sparrows were not only depreciated, but they were discounted. In fact, listen to Luke and his version of the Lord speaking about sparrows and farthings in Luke chapter twelve, verse number six. Luke chapter twelve. Verse number 6, Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? Two asarion. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Now wait a minute. Jesus said that you get two sparrows for a farthing. So if you're going to do the math, then you get four sparrows for two farthings, but they were discounted. They threw in an extra sparrow for your trouble, right? Now, what this means is that the, the, literally the cost of the sparrow revealed what people thought about the sparrow. Little value. Low cost. In fact, the sparrow that was thrown in to make up the five, the five for two farthings, You'll love this. That sparrow was referred to as the odd sparrow. Okay, so you're not only a sparrow, you're the odd sparrow, right? And so we think about the amount that was needed to buy the sparrow. We think about the sparrow's low cost. But secondly, we must consider the abundance of the sparrows and the fact that they were of no distinction. The sparrows were of no distinction. Now, in the Old Testament, when you look up sparrow, and the word sparrow appears, you know, four to five times in the Old Testament, the book of Psalms and so forth, um, David wrote about the sparrow. But you will notice that the word sparrow, the Hebrew word that is translated sparrow, is translated 38 other times in the Old Testament. In all of those times, it's literally translated either bird or fowl. You know what we get from that? The sparrow was of no distinction. It was simply a bird. And uh, the definition of the Hebrew word for bird or fowl or sparrow 
was literally a little hopping bird or a fowl. Now the sparrow was the smallest and the least valued of all birds. It was not a pretty bird to look at. Look, there are some birds that they captivate your attention because of their beauty. And I'm just going to go ahead, since we're here in St. Louis, and, uh, and Darlene and I happen to be from the great state of Ohio, I'm just going to throw out the cardinal, right? The red bird. That's the, that's the state bird of Ohio. And uh, i got to tell you, when you see a cardinal, does it not captivate your attention? I can remember sitting out in the back patio uh, years, you know, years gone by, and you know, a cardinal flew up. And it's like, man, look at the majesty and the beauty of that. Another bird that's, uh, that, that's neat to look at is an oriole, right? And so you, you have these different birds that are, that are just beautiful to look at. And people, people spend their time going out into the wilderness and in nature looking for all of these different types of birds to look at because of their beauty. Well, guess what? The sparrow's not included in that. The sparrow was literally a small uh, unvaluable bird that was gray or brown in color, right? It did not have any distinction as to its beauty. They could not be used for food. They don't taste good. They're not good for food. They're found in large numbers and they tend to be intrusive, right? So they'll take over places. They were historically destroyed as a worthless nuisance. Now, are you getting a positive picture of the sparrow? You shouldn't be, because if you are, I'm not communicating to you this morning. Listen, there's a reason that Jesus chose to talk about the sparrow. There's a reason that Jesus mentioned the sparrow. The abundance of the sparrows, the amount that was needed to buy the sparrow, the fact that the sparrows were of no distinction. Now, let me ask you this. You ever feel like a sparrow? You ever feel so small and insignificant in this large world? You're just a number. There is no particular beauty by which we could say, Oh, you know, I woke up this morning and I, I said, Brad Pitt ain't got nothing on me. Okay? Uh, you know, we're not, we don't have movie star looks. I'm speaking about myself. I will not be offensive and, and, and project that to our vast crowd of people this morning, okay? Um, you get what I'm saying, though. Yeah, you know, I'm really of little significance in this world. I mean, as the grand scheme of things go, I'm one of many. I'm just a person. I'm just a guy. I'm just, did you all hear recently, remember Joe, Joe the plumber? Uh, Joe the plumber passed away from cancer. You know, I'm just like Joe the plumber. I'm, I'm of little significance there's large numbers of people. There's a great multitude. And so often I feel like that fifth sparrow that just gets thrown in. You know, I'm the odd, I'm the odd sparrow. I'm the odd guy out. I don't seem to fit in anywhere. Everywhere I go, it seems like I'm being intrusive. I am of little value. Now, have you ever thought that way? And if you're honest, or a narcissist... <laughs> <laughs> it could be either. You could be dishonest or a narcissist. You say, I've never felt that way. Okay, But most of us have felt that way, right? And, and, and isn't it amazing that the Lord knows that? And that's why he chooses to use 
the sparrow. The Lord in his infinite wisdom, the Lord being a master teacher, understood that the apostles would get what he was talking about when he mentioned the sparrow. So these details involved in the sparrows and the farthings are very important. And the first detail involves the sparrow's low cost. Now that I've brought you down this morning and made you feel of little insignificance and low worth and value, right? Let's start our journey up the mountain. Okay, so now we get to the second point. And the second point is also found in verse number 29. And here we see the span of the Lord's control. The span of the Lord's control. So notice verse 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? That's the sparrow's low cost. But notice the rest of the verse. And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. Now, let me ask you this. What generally happens when a bird falls on the ground? It's generally fatal for that bird. In fact, there's a reason that the bird is falling to the ground. And it could be any manner of reasons. You know, perhaps the bird has injured its wing. Perhaps the bird has been shot by a, a, a human predator. I mean, there are different reasons why a bird might hit the ground, right? Fall to the ground. I'm not talking about flying and lighting on the ground. I'm talking about falling to the ground. Generally, it's not good for the bird. Now, notice that the, the Lord Jesus says that one of these sparrows, these small, insignificant birds that are without distinction, one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. Now, think about that. If these birds are of such little value and of no significance, and yet the Lord, we see the Lord's control in the fact that not one of these numerous plentiful birds is going to fall to the ground or or, or uh, suffer significant injury or death without the Lord's control over that. Without the Lord's control over that. We see the span of the Lord's control. Now the span of the Lord's control has to do, first of all, with God's providence. And this is a topic that we've talked about uh, recently, when I say recently, within the past month or so, in our study in the book of Ruth. Okay, And of course the book of Ruth is a book that deals with the providence of God. The book of Esther is another great book. Notice that both females, the book of Esther is another great book that deals with the providence of God. In the book of Esther, God's name is never mentioned, but of course His providence and care for His people is. Now, what do we mean when we refer to God's providence? We are referring to God's foresight and power to watch over, protect, and provide for His creatures. And by the way, I didn't come up with that. That's a generally accepted definition and description of God's providence. God's foresight, power to watch over, protect, and provide for His creatures. For all of His creatures. In God's providence, we see the benevolent love of God. That God's blessings and His control extends to not only His own people, but certainly to those that are not His own people. The Lord sends the rain on the just and the unjust. And it also extends to all of the creatures that God has created. The beasts of the field and the fowls of the air and all that would inhabit the seas and the great waters. The Heidelberg Catechism from 1563. I read this to you in our study of the book of Ruth, but I want to read this again. Dealing with question number 27. 
describes the providence of God. The catechism reads, The Almighty and everywhere present power of God, whereby, as it were, by His hand, He still upholds heaven and earth with all creatures, and so governs them that herbs and grass, rain and drought, fruitful and barren years, meat and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty, yea, all things come not by chance, but by His fatherly hand. And so what Jesus is literally saying is that this sparrow that, that, that falls from the sky and is dead, that did not happen without the Lord's providence. That was not beyond the span of the Lord's control. If you want to read a great chapter about the sovereignty and providence of God over all of His creation, including all animals and creatures, you can go read Job chapter number 39. Now, we don't have time to read that this morning, but the entire chapter deals with God's sovereignty and providence over all of the creatures that He has created. And so, we see this second detail, the span of the Lord's control, that these these insignificant, unimportant birds... Not one of them falls to the ground. Not one of them dies beyond the span of the Lord's control. Jesus says in verse 29, And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your Father. Now that leads us to consider, as we think about the span of the Lord's control, not only God's providence, but God's providence as it extends to the paltry. God's providence as it extends to the paltry. The word paltry means utterly worthless. What did I describe about the sparrow that would in any way lead you to conclude that, man, i got to run out and get a sparrow? Man, that sparrow is really a valuable and an important fowl of the air. You know, i gotta, I got to, after services today, I'm going to forego lunch, and I'm going to run down to the store, and I'm going to see if I can buy four sparrows and have them throw the odd one in for free. Nobody says that. You, you don't want a sparrow. Nobody wants a sparrow. It is, it is paltry. It is, it is worthless. And yet, not one sparrow escapes the providence of God. This is why Jesus is using the sparrow in His illustration and His encouragement to His own. Luke I already read this, Luke chapter 12, verse number 6, but Luke words it this way. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them, even the odd sparrow, not one of them is forgotten before God. Wow! Think about our Heavenly Father. And how often do you think in the midst of your daily life, as you go through trials and tribulations, God must have forgotten about me. Now, we wouldn't say that, would we? We wouldn't audibly say that, but we we think that. Where is God? God said He would never leave nor forsake me, and yet I don't see God in the midst of these trials and difficulties and tribulations. What I am going through right now, God possibly can't be with me. And we say, God must have forgotten about me. You know, God doesn't forget about a sparrow. Even the odd sparrow. The one that is just thrown in to make the deal. Here's four for two farthings, but I'll throw in a fifth. I'll throw in the odd one for free. God does not forget 
about that sparrow, He does not forget about us. Herbert Lockyer said this, God's eye was on the odd sparrow. Jesus said that when a sparrow falls and dies, that it dies upon the bosom of God. Is that not amazing? The great English preacher Alexander McLaren wrote, The very dying sparrow with broken wing had its place in that universal care of God. God is imminent in nature. The antithesis often drawn between His universal care and His quote-unquote special providence is misleading. Providence is special because it is universal. That which embraces everything must embrace each thing. And so we see the span of the Lord's control. Nothing is beyond the concern of God. Nothing is beyond the control of God. Not one sparrow dies without the approval and the authority of God Almighty. God's providence is real. Now, that affects you and I because... If He does that for the sparrow, then what's He do for us? We're going to talk about that more here in just a moment. We're looking at these four details involved in sparrows and farthings. The first detail, the sparrow's low cost. The second detail, the span of the Lord's control. Now we move into verse number 30, and we look at this third detail. The scope of His loving care. I want you to notice verse number 30 of Matthew chapter number 10. Verse number 30, But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. I want you to think about that for a moment. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Now who this morning got up and said, I am so concerned about my appearance that I need to count all of my hairs. Now I don't mean to be crass, but some, some of you would have taken a shorter amount of time. Okay. Some a longer amount of time. Uh, but the males that are here, it would not have taken us long, okay? Uh, the females, uh, you know, of course, longer. But uh, you don't know how many hairs are on your head. But someone does. Somebody does. Jesus says that the very hairs of your head are all numbered. I want you to notice, he says, but the very hairs. He's drawing attention to how minute the Lord's care for His children goes. We're talking about here the scope of His loving care. Now, when the Lord speaks these words, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered, He's he's first of all referencing His vigilance in caring. His vigilance in caring. Now, had you gotten up before the crack of dawn to count all of your hairs, you would still be counting because the average person on this earth has between 90 and 150,000 hairs on their head. And of course, we have to give an average there, a, 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 a range, because, you know, some people have more and some people have less, right? Uh, generally speaking, you know, the, the number seems to be about 100,000 on your head. Can you imagine? The average person knowing every hair on their head. Now look, when you lose a hair, you don't even know you lost that hair. Generally speaking, the loss of hair is not significant. Of course, i got to throw this in there. 
unless you know it's CSI that's taking hairs off of you know evidence I'll just put evidence put it that way it you know and testing that hair for like mitochondrial DNA or some other type of evidence that would be used uh, to help prove the commission of a crime but you don't recognize your hair you don't you don't get up and say oh I better check the chair maybe I left one of my hair on the chair you're not cognizant of the amount of hairs on your head the hair generally speaking <laughs> and I know that that some of us won't think this way okay particularly the women right but generally speaking hair is relatively unimportant okay you, you can live and be bald okay you, you can live without any hair on your head right hair is generally it's relatively unimportant and yet you know what we learn from this our hair has got God's attention. Think about that. The, the, the very hairs of your head here are all numbered. This is significant. Luke, in his version of this, uh, uh, this message by the Lord, this message of encouragement and admonition and warning, in Luke chapter 12, verse number 7, Luke writes, But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered, Fear not, therefore, ye have more value than many sparrows. And so, even the very even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. This is indicative of the vigilance that the Lord shows in caring for His people. Do you know what we learn from this? Or perhaps we already know it, and we're reminded of it. God cares about every detail of our lives. Do you know that? There isn't one detail of our lives that God is not concerned about. Turn with me to Matthew chapter number 6. If you're in Matthew chapter number 10, turn back to Matthew chapter number 6. These are verses that I often revert to because I need it and they help me stay on course. In Matthew chapter number 6, we're going to begin reading. We're going to read verse number 8 and then skip down to the end of the chapter. Matthew chapter number 6, verse number 8. The Lord says, be not ye therefore like unto them, those that make a big pretense of praying. Be not like unto them. It's not by vain repetition. He says, be not, like, be not ye therefore like unto them. For your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask Him. If He's aware of the very hairs of our head, do you not think that God knows what needs you have? Now skip down to Matthew chapter number 6. Verses 32 and 33, and you know these verses very well. Actually, let's read verse number 31. Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He is aware of the needs that we have. He is aware of the dangers that we encounter. Remember the context. Be wise as serpent and harmless as doves. He, I'm sending you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves, but beware of men in verse number 17. We don't need to go around living our lives in fear. We're going to talk more about that in a little bit. Oh, what, what are we going to eat for dinner? What, am I, what are we going to do for this? Trust God that God cares for you. Now, I was uh, 
I was listening to a message yesterday when I was on my run, uh, Vance Havner. And this was this message from 1970. Vance Havner was a Southern Baptist evangelist. And uh, man, what a good message it was. And he, he said this. He said, he said, a lot of people just come to God when they got needs. But do you know that you cannot rest in God unless you nest in God? You say, well, God cares about the sparrows. Well, the sparrows carry out their duties on a daily function and they know that, that, that they're not worrying about all of these things. God is sovereign and God is in control. We cannot rest in God. We must nest in Him if we want to rest in Him. That means that we understand that God knows every hair on our head. How many problems do we get into? in the details of our lives because we don't trust God. we got to do it ourselves. we got to come up with our own solution and our own fix. And we forget that God sees us as more valuable than the sparrows. We're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but that's the theme of the message, is it not? We are told by Peter in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 7 to be casting all our care on Him, for He careth for you. The Lord cares for us. So we see in the scope of His loving care, we see His vigilance and caring, but then we see the vastness, the vastness of His care. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. We see here not only His vigilance and caring, but His vastness of His care. Here Jesus references a common phrase used to denote protection. That's what He's doing. He's using a common phrase used to denote protection. When he says, in verse 30, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered, the apostles would know what he was talking about. This was a phrase that denoted protection. Do you know that you can go back, and I'm just going to give you a couple quotes from Scripture for sake of time this morning. You can go back to 1 Kings chapter number 1 and verse number 52, where Solomon is addressing Adonijah. Adonijah just fled into the temple laid his hands on the horn of the altar for protection. And, and the Bible says this in 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 52. And Solomon said, If he, Adonijah, will show himself a worthy man, there shall not a hair of him fall to the earth. What's he talking about? He's talking about that he will be safe and protected. And then Paul, remember when Paul's on this ship being taken to Rome? And, and they, uh, they encounter Eurocladon and all of these treacheries at sea. And they wind up shipwrecked. And you know what the Apostle Paul did by way of encouraging his shipmates? In Acts chapter 27 and verse number 34, the Bible reads, Wherefore I pray you to take some meat, for this is for your health, for there shall not an hair fall from the head of any of you. This is a common phrase that the Jews used to denote protection. And Jesus, knowing how to communicate to people, says, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them should not fall on the earth without on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. He is referencing a common phrase used to denote protection. And he is revealing what? That he and the Father would deliver the same protection. The very hairs of your head are all numbered. Luke, again, in another passage in Luke chapter number 21 and verse number 18, where the Lord again is encouraging his, 
his disciples as they go forth to speak the word. In Luke chapter 21 and verse number 18, uh, the Lord says, But there shall not an hair of your head perish. He's talking about the ultimate protection that the Lord would provide. And we're going to speak here in just a moment about the need for that protection. And so we see that the Lord, the Lord has a loving care for His own. We see the scope of His loving care. Nothing is beyond the Lord. His vigilance is shown in that the very hairs of our head are numbered and the vastness of His care is revealed in that He will protect us. Not one of the hairs of our head will perish. And then that leads us to the fourth and final detail. We're talking today about sparrows and farthings. The first detail in the first part of verse 29, the sparrows low cost. The second detail in the second part of verse number 29, the span of the Lord's control. The third detail in verse number 30, the scope of His loving care. And then the last detail in verse number 31, the source of lasting comfort. The source of lasting comfort. Verse number 31, Fear ye not, therefore. Ye are of more value than many sparrows. Do you notice that Jesus says, Okay, now all that I've spoken to you, remember that. And because of that, you don't need to fear. Fear ye not, therefore. Fear ye not, therefore. Ye are of more value than many sparrows. This is the source of lasting comfort. Do you know that some people on this earth are aimed at and focused on Temporal comfort. What is the drug addict looking for in their next fix? Comfort. What is the person that commits adultery and is constantly trying to find someone else to fill a void? What are they looking? They're looking for comfort. Comfort from places that they will never get it. The person who wakes up in the morning and can't wait to get their next drink of alcohol. They are seeking comfort. And people on this earth seek comfort from all sorts of sources that are only temporal sources. I'm here to tell you today that there is a source of lasting comfort. That when you think about the sparrows and their insignificance and their utter worthlessness in the grand scheme of things, that we are comforted by the words of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the actions that He and the Heavenly Father have promised to deliver on our behalf. There's a source of lasting comfort. You want to have lasting comfort? Then you need to look at your victory over fear. Your victory over fear. Notice the Lord says in verse 31, Fear ye not, therefore. I can never forget that question posed in that little management leadership book entitled, Who Moved My Cheese? What would you do if you weren't afraid? People live their lives in fear. Oh, if I weren't afraid, I would do this or I would do that. We have no reason to walk around in fear. Now watch, we've got to gain the context of what the apostle or what the Lord Jesus is talking about and writing and Luke is writing about. So now 
If we were to go back, and again, for time's sake, I'm not going to read all of these verses. I'm going to read one verse, but I would encourage you to go back and read verses 17 through 28. 17 through 28, but we're going to read verse 28. Look at the immediate context. Jesus says in verse 28, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul but rather fear Him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. He is saying that we don't need to fear men. The context is that Jesus is sending the disciples, the apostles out, to preach the Word of God and carry on the ministry, and they're not going to be met with approval. They're not going to be popular. We talked about this in the message, Wise as Serpents. They're not going to be popular with the world. And Jesus says, you know what? You don't need to fear Fear ye not, therefore. In carrying out our duties and living for the Lord and witnessing for Him, we don't need to fear. 62 times, 62 Bible verses, the phrase, fear not, appears. Jesus says that we have a victory over fear. Do you know that fear paralyzes? Fear keeps people in bed in the morning because they don't want to get out of bed and face what awaits them during that day. Fear is something that we're told as the people of God that we're not to be enslaved to. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, the Lord hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a strong mind. We're we're not supposed to be enslaved by fear. Fear not. Therefore, Men, listen. We're not those that are conquered by fear. Do you not see that this morning? God has given us victory over fear. The source of lasting comfort is revealed in that we have victory over fear. But then I want you to notice as well our value to the Father. Do you want lasting comfort? You have victory over fear. And you have value with your heavenly Father. Look at verse 31. Fear ye not therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. You could take all the sparrows in the world and pile them up. And you are of more value than all of those sparrows. You are of more value than many sparrows. Now, look man, I could could go chase a rabbit this morning and trust me, I want to. This is a death knell to the animal rights activists. Well, man and animals are equal. No, we're not. I'm sorry. Like, we can can go toe-to-toe and mano-a-mano and argue this and debate this, but animals are not equal with God. Now, I don't think that we ought to go out and abuse animals, right? I'm not talking about that, but come on. There are some people in this world that were born without a brain. I watched a video. And you could probably Google it. I watched a video of this guy out was out on a pier trying to fish, and there was this teenager and this other guy that came up and were trying to protest. You know, oh, these fish have rights, and you should. You know, what would it feel like if you had a hook in your mouth? You know, and I'm thinking, God help us, because this person is going to vote someday. God help us. You are more valuable than a fish. You are more valuable than all of the sparrows put together. The Lord says, 
fear ye not therefore ye are of more value than many sparrows and if you don't like that then talk to Jesus pray to Jesus and take up your problem with him okay now don't do that that's idiotic but you get what I'm saying that's not me saying that the Lord says that this is a source of comfort for us when is the last time and I mean this when is the last time you reflected on your value with God See, because as Baptists, and Baptists that believe in the grace of God and the depravity of man, we generally do a really good job of preaching how evil and wicked we are. And, and rightfully so. I believe in the depravity of man. Okay, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But, let us not neglect the fact that, yes, we are of value to our Heavenly Father. We should not be ashamed to echo that and shout that from the mountaintop. We are not of value in and because of who we are in and of ourselves. It isn't like God is so blessed to have you as part of His family. That's not what I mean. But what I mean is that God loved us and gave His only begotten Son to die for our sins. And because of what His Son accomplished... We are of value to Him. You're of more value than many sparrows. The next time the devil gets you down in a chokehold, and he's kicking you, and reminding you of what a failure you are, and how decrepit you are, and you don't deserve the mercy of God, I want you to think about how valuable you are to our Father who sent His Son to purchase us. And I want you to think in particular about Romans chapter number 8. And specifically verses 31 and 32. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. How shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Those that are valuable to you, you give them things, don't you? You buy them stuff. You surprise them with things. You want them to know that they're valuable to you. We're not buying their love. We're showing them that we value them. Go back and look at the five love languages. Whatever that love language is, you provide that to the object of your love. And you know what God does? He provides for the objects of His love in a special way. He spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? How do we not understand our value to God that we are given as a gift to the Son? Read John chapter 6. We are of more value than many sparrows. Doesn't it seem like an odd message? Sparrows and farthings. What's the point of all of this? Here's the point. God loves you and cares about you. 
And you are of value to him. You are of more value than many sparrows. Isn't it amazing that Jesus loved us enough to deliver that message and then to ensure that it is preserved in his word so that not just the apostles heard it that day, but here we are, 2,000 years later, and we know that God loves us and we are of value to him because of what Jesus said preserved in his word. Well, sparrows and farthings. There are four details. The sparrow's low cost, the span of the Lord's control, the scope of his loving care, and the source of lasting comfort. Blessed is the man who calls the Lord his God. Happy is that person. There is comfort that lasts in the words of the Lord Jesus. Sparrows and farthings. I pray your comfort is from the Lord today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. For